as we continue our series, Heartbeat of the Hill, where we've been looking at our mission, our vision, and our values, our mission, why we exist, awakening people from death to life in Christ, where we believe God is leading us, his, the vision for our church, developing spiritually healthy families and spiritually healthy leaders. And then over the last few weeks, we've been looking at our values or our convictions or what we believe God is making us to become. The first value was Christ is the catalyst. Apart from him, we can do nothing of eternal significance. Then we looked at time in the word. Spending time in the word reveals God's character to us and tells us how we are to live. Last week we looked at stand in the gap. Christ stood in the gap for us, and so therefore we advocate for hope for those who need help. And then today, our fourth of six values is together in the faith. Together in the faith. Um, it's the idea that we are, as Ron actually mentioned in our welcome, spiritual family. Uh, that we are together. We have unity together. I'm going to be reading Psalm 133. Uh, a few weeks ago we looked at Psalm 119, one of the longest, the longest psalm. And then today we're going to be looking at Psalm 133, one of, not quite the shortest, but one of the shortest psalms. And this is what it says. I'm going to read all three verses. <laughs> Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is such an incredible psalm. You'll notice in many, if not all of your translations, a little note right at the beginning of Psalm 133 that this is a song of ascent, a song of ascent. Uh, psalm 120 to Psalm 134 are earmarked songs of ascent. Now there is some debate about what that actually meant and what they were used for, but most biblical scholars and most Jewish historians believe that these psalms were marked out as traveling music, if you will, as families would come from outside of Jerusalem, traveling into Jerusalem for various festivals and worshipful holidays. And so they would have these 14 it's called a song of ascent because Jerusalem or Mount Zion was up on a hill. And so as they ascended up to Jerusalem, they would sing these songs. I thought about this, you know, the idea of traveling music. Um, when I, I'm a kid of the 90s and Nickelodeon, I just remember uh, this one commercial with Nickelodeon. And I've, I've, it's just one of those earworms that has stuck with me, and they had this magazine, and they said, If you're going on a family road trip, here is the song of the summer. Are we there yet? Are we there? For many of us, that is the traveling song we've grown up with, with kids or for ourselves. As again, someone who grew up in Alabama, uh, our youth group, whenever we would go out of town and then we would come back into the state, 
we would have to play the traveling music, Sweet Home Alabama. When you saw the state line, you hit Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, many of you may not know this, but I was born in West Virginia. That's where the, my family, extended family, is all from. And so when we get close to West Virginia, country roads, right? Like there's just certain traveling songs. I guess I've got to download uh, In the Heart of Texas for when I come in and out of Texas, but you understand traveling music. This was songs or psalms that they would recite together or sing together as they made their way into Jerusalem for worship, for these festivals. So here's the context in your LifePoint outline. There's, this is just sort of an interesting note. In these three verses, there is no command in this psalm. Instead, it paints the picture of the blessing that unity can be for God's people. There's no direct command, but it is painting a picture of the blessing when God's people are in unity, or as we would call it with our stated values, that we are together in unity the faith. A couple of things here. If we are together in the faith, and I'm going to move quickly because I'm excited that we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper together. Number one, here are three things about together in the faith as a value. Number one, being together in the faith is to be a spiritual family. Notice in verse one, look how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Now the word there, brothers, um, certainly can mean blood brothers or kin, but again, this is a song of ascent meant to imply that everyone coming together, a spiritual family coming together. Have you ever wondered why at church especially we call each other brother so-and-so? You don't hear as often sister so-and-so, but at least in, in, here on the hill, you hear that in some places, but you know, brother John or Sister Catherine, it's because we define ourselves as spiritual family. Um, when I, one of the first times that this sort of became apparent to me that, that the bonds of our faith, being together in the faith, brought a sense of family was when I was in college. <clears throat> I, was, uh, I had a, two roommates, Jordan and Phil. And all three of us were believers, and we roomed together. Uh, Jordan and I roomed together all four years. And in our sophomore year, Phil joined us as we moved off campus into off-campus housing. And the three of us were inseparable. Um, I did not grow up with brothers. I have a younger sister. But they truly became brothers. And how good it is when brothers are together in unity. And it was to the point that, Somewhat ironically, we decided that we were so close that we ought to get a family portrait together. <laughs> and we literally went down, for those of you that remember, to uh, Walmart's Olin Mills Photography Studio and got a family photo to hang on the entryway to our, our duplex just somewhat ironically and somewhat as the inside joke, but I, I actually have that photo here today. And you can see it on the screen, but this is the real proof. 
of our family photo. And it's all fun and games with the people that knew us, like people at church when they'd come over, they would laugh and, you know, think that was all good fun. But you know how things that hang on the walls in your house you sort of forget about after a while? We had a lot of fun conversations with delivery pizza or pizza delivery guys. And when you invited people outside of the church to come study at the home, that's the first picture that they see when you open the door. But the reality is, is that we were brothers. We were brothers because we were together in the faith. And when we talk about being together in the faith, as goofy as that picture is, we are, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, we are family. We are together. And it is good and pleasant when we walk in unity. The word brothers is used to describe spiritual family that gathers for worship together. I mentioned that. The second truth, the word good harkens back to when God created community in Genesis. If you recall in Genesis chapter 1, as God is creating, he creates sun, moon, stars, land, fish, you know, animals, and he says this is good. Then when you jump into Genesis chapter 2, you, you sort of get the zoomed in. Genesis chapter 1 is the 10,000-foot view of creation. And then Genesis chapter 2 sort of zooms in on the creation of man and woman. And when God created Adam, he said, it is not good that he is alone. And so what did God do? He began creating Family. He began creating community. And when you come to Psalm, how, behold, look how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is not good that we try to live our Christian life alone. We were not designed that way. But it is good when we are together in the faith. And it is pleasant. Now, what does this idea of unity or togetherness mean? Actually, I was thinking about it as we sang one of the songs here just a few moments ago. I believe it was the Onward Christian Soldier. I I could have this lyric from one of the others. But one in hope, in doctrine, in charity or love. Ultimately, when we come in and when we say together in the faith, it does not mean that we will agree on every single thing. In fact, many in this room can agree on which football team to root for. (laughs) But when we talk about being together in the faith and unity, we're talking about that we have one hope, Jesus Christ, for salvation. We have one set of essential doctrines, things like the Trinity, God, three persons in one. That there is only one name under heaven by which men and women can be saved, and his name is Jesus. There are essential doctrines. It is by grace that we are saved through faith, not by works. Essential doctrines. 
and then in love. So one hope, one doctrine, and one love. See, we are together in the faith, and it is good and pleasant to be together in the faith when we love one another. And as we've talked about before, love does not mean only when it is easy or only when we are agreeable on everything. In fact, some of the most beautiful pictures of God's love is when a brother over here and a brother over here are able to love one another even through disagreement. That's one of the greatest pictures of the gospel that we can love each other through simple disagreement. And so being together in the faith means that we are spiritual family. Secondly, being together in the faith brings God's anointing on his church. Being together in the faith brings God's anointing on his church. Look at verse 2. It is like precious oil, and the it is the unity or the togetherness. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Now, this is an image that is maybe unfamiliar to many of us today, but in this day in Israel, it's a dry climate. When you would have someone into your home, you would wash their feet, and often you would pour oil on their head for the dryness that would run down. That's not necessarily what's speaking of, spoken of here because of the reference to Aaron. What he's referring back to is in Leviticus 8 and in passage of Exodus where Aaron is, and his family is set aside to be anointed with oil to be the priest's. Of Israel. And they pour oil. And the oil represented the Spirit of God. And it was poured over. And notice the abundance. It, it was not just a little dab. They poured it on so that it ran over the head into the beard and into the collar of his robe. It was an abundance. It was an anointing. And what the psalmist here is saying is that when we are together in the faith, when we are in unity, it is as if the anointing of God rests on the people. And when the anointing of God rests on the people, then we are equipped to fulfill the mission of the office that he's given us. Our mission is to awaken people from death to life in Christ. And one of the ways that we receive the anointing of God to see that take place is when we are together in the faith. When we are unified in one hope, one doctrine, one love. This morning, as a matter of fact, we have... Our membership class will be taking place at 10 o'clock. And part of that is to go over who we are as a church. What are the essential doctrines? What does it mean to come in together in the faith? Because when we talk about membership, what we're saying is, do you want to be part of our spiritual family, but can you do so in unity? 
Because we want the anointing of God on our church. Does that make sense? Does anybody want the anointing of God to not just be a dab across our forehead, but to be poured over us to where it is pouring out over in abundance into our beard, into our clothing, into every essence of who we are. That when we worship, the anointing of God is present. That when we talk with one another and the way that we treat one another, people can tell that the anointing, the presence of God is here. That is the vision being painted in Psalm 133. The truth is this, our unity together in Christ is a testimony to the world that Jesus is the Messiah and that he loves all people. You take Psalm 133, this idea of the anointing and how good and pleasant it is to be together when brothers dwell in unity. And you fast forward to John 17 where Jesus is praying in the garden and he turns to begin, if you've never read it, he begins to pray for the disciples there in the garden but then also for us all the way out in 2023 and beyond. Because he begins to pray, God, would you allow these that you've given me to be one just as you and I are one. And when they are one, when they love one another, when they are unified as we are unified, Father, two times, starting in verse 20 in chapter 17, he says, then the world will know that you have sent your son and that he loves them. It's so bizarre on one level, but so amazing that how we love one another and are unified together is a testimony to those far from God that Jesus is who he says he is and that he came and loved them. So the problem is this. When Christians begin attacking other Christians and our disunity spills out into our cities and onto social media and around the world, people who are far from God begin to say, I don't need anything to do with that. It is why in Psalm 133 there is a vision painted for unity and why in John 17 Jesus is pleading and praying to the Father that we would be unified so that those who are far from him would know Jesus did come and did die and did rise from the dead because he loved them. So that they would hear, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That they would believe that is true. And one of the measures, one of the foundations for them believing that is our togetherness in the faith. It is an anointing on God's people when we are unified, when we say we will stick and let the main thing be the main thing, and when we disagree on tertiary issues, we will still love one another. Then we will really begin to see God awaken people from death to life in 
Christ. Thirdly, we will see this. Being together in the faith brings life to the community of believers. Being together in the faith brings life to the community of the believers. Look in verse 3. It, again, is unity. It, again, is togetherness. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Now, many of us in the room don't know the referent points of Hermon and Mount Zion. But for those who are making the ascent to Jerusalem, singing this traveling song, they would clearly know the geography. So let me explain it. The, the only snow-capped mountain, the only snow-capped peak in the region was Mount Hermon. And it sort of represented the northernmost reaches of the kingdom. Down where Jerusalem sat was dry. I mentioned that earlier. That's why you would give people oil for the dryness of their skin. And the dew off of Hermon is how they sort of pictured it, was the dew every night would come and settle on Mount Zion. Zion represents Jerusalem. And it would come and settle. And because of that dew, that moisture, life happened. There were, like here, there were many months um, where there was not typically rain and they were dependent on the nightly dew. And so the psalmist is saying togetherness, unity of brotherhood is like when the snow-capped mountains bring dew down into the dry and dusty land and bring to life the center of worship, Mount Zion. For there the Lord has commanded that there be life forevermore. I am typically not a person that talks about the weather. I never check the weather app on my phone. I walk outside and whatever I'm wearing, it was either a good decision or a bad decision, and I live with it. Uh, even this weekend, my wife Jennifer, who is a weather person, asked, do you know what the weather is going to be like Sunday morning? And then she immediately remembered, he does not know nor does he care at this moment. But I think for all of us over this summer, even people like me that don't typically talk about the weather could not help but notice the lack of rain. And I know that many of you felt that way, if not all of us felt the impact of lack of rain because it began to be over 110 degrees. And when it got down into like the 97, 98 range, people were like, man, it feels great outside. <laughs> Nothing will make 98 feel great like a week of 110. And then if you were on Facebook, anytime, anywhere in our region, someone got even a light sprinkling, people are out there dancing in it. Oh, the life. I mean, I, I remember the first time it rained in my house after that long stretch. I just wanted to go outside and literally let it fall on me. Anybody with me on that? See, we understand what it means when there is dryness, the joy and life that comes when there is rain. I mean, you just drive around now. I mean, there were weeks that my yard didn't need to be mowed. And now, because of recent rains, it is starting to come back to life. 
That is the imagery. That is the picture of verse 3, which is this. God, your unity among your people is like dew. It's like that rain we've been waiting for that brings life to the place of worship, Zion. The place that you commanded that there be life forevermore. It's so critical that we think about our together in the faith is not just words on a banner, but that it is a conviction. It is what we pray God preserves in us because being together in the faith is being spiritual family. Being together in the faith is to ask God's anointing to come on his church. And being together in the faith is where we will see life exist among our people. This is one of the reasons that we spend so much time talking about things like life groups or D groups or even volunteering and serving. Why? Because we want you, we know that you need to be involved in the unity and the togetherness of the faith. Remember, you were not created to do it alone. God said it is not good when man is alone. Together in the faith brings life. And so with that, I'm going to go ahead and invite our deacons and those who will be playing instruments to come forward because we are going to move into a time of together in the faith as we take the Lord's Supper today. As they're moving, try your best to stay with me. As we get ready to take the supper, we are taking the supper today as a reminder of what unifies us, and that is the giving of Christ and the brokenness of his body and the spilling of his blood for our salvation. A couple of things as we get ready to take the supper You'll see this here in the, in the notes. Number one, <clears throat> the supper is only for those who are Christ followers. If you are not a believer in Christ, if Christ has not saved you from your sin, then please do not take the supper. It is okay. There is freedom not to take the supper. It is only for those who have professed faith in Christ. Secondly, when we come to the supper... We're, it is a time to prepare our hearts. There is a time of examination. In 1 Corinthians 11, we are told to examine ourselves that we make sure to take the supper in a worthy manner. And what that simply means is, is there any unconfessed sin? Is there something that you need to do before you could take the supper? If that is the case, there is freedom and encouragement not to take the supper today. This is an impetus maybe to resolve that thing that has been going on. The third thing is this, that together we worship through the remembrance of Christ's sacrifice. And so I just mentioned that to say this. This is not a perfunctory ordeal. This is not rote participation. This is an act of worship this morning. As you take the bread, and we'll give you instruction to take it all together in a few moments. As it's crunching around in your mouth, it represents the brokenness of Christ on our behalf. And as we drink the juice, 
and it slides down our throat, it is a reminder of the blood spilt for our sin. And we remember why we are together in the faith, and it is because of Christ. Christ.